Marcus singing and playing Keliata and Avinu Malkenu, two of the ten Nigunim composed by the Alter Rebbe. My name is Yehuda Tzaitlin and it's my pleasure to invite you tonight and welcome you tonight to an evening titled Stories, Songs and Teachings at the Alter Rebbe. It's a musical Fabrengen marking Chovdal Atevis, the yard site of Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi the founder and the first Rebbe of Chabad Lubavitch and author of major works such as the Tanya and Shulchan Aruch Harav, amongst others. Both words and music were key components in how the Alter Rebbe used to teach and spread Hasidus in the world, and it is fitting that tonight's Farbrengen will be combining both. Inspiration will be heard tonight from Rabbi Shays Taub, he is a renowned lecturer and scholar at the forefront, if you will, of teaching the Alter Rebbe's Torah today in the world. He is also a scholar in residence of Chabad of the Five Towns and a columnist for Ami Magazine. And leading the musical segment of the evening is Eli Marcus, one of the most popular Jewish voices in Jewish music today. He was born in a musical family, started singing at the age of three, and has performed on stages in five continents. He's soon out with his album, Yagati. And joining him this evening will be Baruch Shalom Blasovsky, the Chaz and Ari Leib Horowitz, and some others. 
This program is being broadcast live from the Shoal of Crown Heights on Albany Avenue, and we thank them for hosting us, and we thank the producer of this evening, the powerhouse event planner, Galia Bender. We thank those who helped sponsor this evening, among them Michiel Jaffe, Shmuel Axlerod, and Shlomo Goldseiler, who just had a baby daughter in his family, a granddaughter, and may the schos of this Fabrengen be to them and their families. Here in Crown Heights, the Fabrengen, the food, the Lachaim, was sponsored by Ebers Liquor and Wine, Buff and Bun, Sushi Spot, and Gumbo's Heimische Bakery. The Fabrengen is being broadcast live, and I already hear that many are joining us on the community service, new service, colive.com, and we thank Mika Sofer and my colleagues for their support, and to Ami Magazine as well. And between the words and the songs at this Fabrengen, we'll be featuring a unique interview about Kolel Chabad, which is the longest-running charitable organization in Eretz Yisrael that was founded and supported by the Alter Rebbe. And I believe his, his yard site is an opportune time to support and give tzedakah to this organization specifically, and we encourage you to do so at the address kolelchabad.org slash 24tavis. That's C-O-L-E-L-C-H-A-B-A-D dot O-R-G forward slash 24tavis, T-E-V-E-S. And with that, let us hear from Rabbi Shays Taub. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Yudi. So as you mentioned, tonight is a night of stories, songs, and teachings of the Alta Rebbe. And the story that I'd like to open with is a story about a song. Really, it's a story that teaches us about songs in general, about music as a tool for communication. The story, to set the backdrop, takes place in a town called Shklov. Shklov was a bastion of the opposition to Hasidism. And Shklov was also a town of great scholars. At some time, a Chassid, a Chabad Chassid, a Chassid of the Alt Rebbe, passed through Shklov. There was a local Hasidic community in Shklov, but very small. And this Chabad Chassid passed through Shklov, and uh, the locals asked him to share some of his Hasidic teachings, mostly in order to chide him and to, uh, to make fun of him. And he, let's say, he... he he wasn't the best spokesman for Chassidus. You know, the Rebbe always spoke about Eifen HaMeskabel. You have to know your audience. You have to speak to people on a level that they can connect with. And that's not at all what he did. He took a teaching of the Alter Rebbe. See, before the imprisonment of the Alter Rebbe, before the redemption, the, the imprisonment, the redemption of 1798 that's associated with the Yehim HaGulav, Yutes Kislev, the Alter Rebbe used to speak very, very short Torah teachings. And they were very terse, and they didn't have a lot of explanation. And it was one of these short, terse Torah teachings that this Chassid shared with the, with the locals in Shklov. And, 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 and the teaching is, it's based on a Mishnah in Shabbos, Perek Hay of Shabbos, which is talking about carrying. And in the Mishnah in Shabbos, it says like this, Kol Balei Shir, all those who possess a Shir, what's a Shir? Shin Yudresh. 
We know that in Biblical Hebrew, it means a song, like Shiru Lashem Shir Chadash. But in Mishnayak Hebrew, it means a collar, like an animal, like a domesticated animal might wear. So the Mishnah says, Kol Shir, all those who have a collar, meaning animals, domesticated animals who have a collar, Yoitzim Beshir, they're permitted to leave, to go out with their collar, and it's not considered carrying. Venim Shochem Beshir, and they may even be drawn, they may be pulled also with that collar. The Alter Rebbe taught it like this. Kol Baleshir, those who possess a song. The Malochim and the Neshamas, the angels and the souls, who all serve Hashem with a song. Yoitzim Beshir, they leave, they exit their own selfhood, with an ecstatic song, with a song of bliss, of yearning, of wanting to become one with Hashem, they leave their separate selfhood, Yoitzim Bashir, Vinim Shochim Bashir, but also they sing a song of return that draws them back into themselves so they can continue to serve Hashem from their individual identity. That's what this Chassid taught in Shklov, and obviously goes without saying. It was a disaster. And it became the local joke in Shklov. Kobal Ishir, Yitzim Bishir, Nimshachim Bishir. The Dechsidim are taking a Mishnah and they're giving it all these weird homiletical twists and turns. At any rate, it was with this backdrop that the Alter Rebbe himself arrived in Shklov. When, Alter, when the Alter Rebbe arrived in town, he was mobbed. He was instantly mobbed. And, and the reason he was mobbed is people had a dual reason for wanting to engage him. Like I mentioned before, the people in Shklov, they were opponents of Hasidism, but they were great scholars too. And they knew the Alter Rebbe was a scholar. The Alter Rebbe's name, Shneur, is Shnei-Oyr. Two lights, the light of Hasidus, Nister, of Torah, and the second light, the light of Nigla, the revealed aspects of Torah. That's why the Alter Rebbe is the Balatanya, a book of Chassidus, and also Baal HaShulchan Aruch, a book of Halacha. So they knew that the Alter Rebbe was also a genius in the legalistic, the Talmudic aspects of law, of, of, of Torah, and they were eager to engage him. So they, they mobbed him. It was a mob scene. Now, they had also an agenda of trying to trip him up, maybe asking a question that he couldn't answer, and then whoever would be able to do that in Shklov, obviously that would be called, uh, that he would, be, he would be considered a hero. So they, mob, they were mobbing him with these two intentions in mind. And, and the Alter was silent, he didn't respond. He said, this is not the way that you, uh, that you treat someone who comes to town. You don't come mobbing somebody like this. So they said, okay, very well. And they set up that the Alter Rebbe should have an official lecture in town at the biggest shul in town. It was known as the Cold Shul. And the Alter Rebbe was to deliver a lecture that night. That evening, the Cold Shul was packed to the rafters. Literally, there was nowhere to stand. Every square inch was taken up with, with, with bodies. And, and it wasn't just the place was packed, physically packed, but the energy, the, the, the tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife. And the reason the tension was so thick was because everyone was ready, they were ready to see who could test the Alter Rebbe. Because after the lecture there was going to be questions and answers, and in the question and answers, there was, this was the opportunity, either, like I said, the double 
intention, either to be impressed and wowed by the Alter Rebbe, or it was just as good, if not better for them, if they could expose some deficiency in the Alter Rebbe's learning. So there was a, it was a, the people were coming for a show, it was a big event. The Alter Rebbe comes up to the, the Bima, and uh, if the Alter Rebbe would have wanted to begin his words with a more incendiary, a more inflammatory statement, he could not, he could not have come up with one. This was the most, absolutely the most outrageous way to begin his words, knowing what the whole backdrop of the whole story was. The Alter Rebbe gets up to the Bima, and the Alter Rebbe says like this, all the anticipation, the room is quiet, there's a hush, everyone's about to listen. The Alter Rebbe says like this, Kol he says it, he says it. The teaching, the, the, this, this was shaking the whole club. The Alter Rebbe comes up, Kol But he said it his way. The possessors of a song, the malochim and the neshamas, the angels and the souls, which sing songs of praises to Hashem, and Bashir, their song of ecstasy causes them to leave their selfhood, v'nim shochim Bashir. But they sing a song of return with which they return to their identity. The place didn't know what to do. The Alter Rebbe says, You've come to ask your questions. I'm going to sing a song. And with that, the Alter Rebbe began to sing a song. How do we know what happened? One of the geniuses of Shklov, the renowned Rabbi Yosef Kolbay, he's who we know this story from. He was called Yosef Kolboy because Kolboy, everything was in him. He was encyclopedic in his knowledge. He was the Barilan CD on two feet. He knew everything. His Bekiyas, his, his knowledge, his mastery of Torah was complete. Yosef Kolboy said he had come that night with his toughest questions, the questions he'd been grappling with and learning for years, questions that he had posed to the great scholars, not just of Shklov, but of Vilna and of Slotsk. He said, as the Alter Rebbe sank, something happened in the room. Everyone was lifted up to another level. And from that place, from that place, everything became clear. He said, I felt the knots in my brain, knots that had been there for years, just unraveling. And where there had been confusion, where there had been doubt, there was nothing but clarity and truth. And the same experience was shared by every single person in the room. And by the time the Alter Rebbe was finished singing, there were no more questions. Everyone likes a good song. Everyone enjoys music. You know, in the uh, Rebbe Rishab's Kuntra Samayim, he talks about different levels of pleasure. And he gives examples the lowest pleasure, the easiest had pleasure is a bodily pleasure, like eating or physical comfort. That's the easiest, lowest pleasure. Higher than that, he says, is aesthetic pleasure, enjoying beauty, enjoying art or music. 
A little bit higher than that, he says, is the pleasure of good feelings. Warm fuzzies, when you do a good thing. You do somebody a favor. You walk an old lady across the street. You feel good about it. And then the highest level, he says, is the pleasure in seichel. The pleasure of understanding an idea. That's the highest pleasure, loftiest pleasure. So, the Rebbe Rishab describes the pleasure of music as a lower level pleasure. And certainly, there is a place for that. There is... Music is sometimes just, it's beautiful, it's gishmak, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to listen to. But that's not negina, that's not the use of music in Chabad. You know, sometimes you have a speaker, and the speaker talks and he talks, and after a while you get bored, how long can you listen to a speaker? So what's, what do you do if you have a well-scheduled program like we have tonight, when you get bored of the speaker, so you have a, you have a singer. And you have some music, musical interlude, and everybody gets to relax and enjoy some music, and then more speeches. That's normally the way that music is used. But a nigun chabad is very, very different. See, a nigun chabad is a melody of Chochmah bin Adas. It's an intelligent song that makes you more intelligent. It raises your level of consciousness. It clarifies your thinking. It organizes your mind. So instead of the song being a break from the teachings and the ideas, the song is actually a higher level of teachings and ideas. The song takes us to ideas, to truth, that the words cannot carry, words cannot convey. Tonight, all of the Nagunim that we'll be singing are Chabad Nagunim, and not just Chabad Nagunim, Nagunim of the Alter Rebbe. Now, I mentioned to you the Nigun that the Alter Rebbe sang in the Shul in Shklov, and the effect that it had on everybody. We do know the name of that Nigun. It was called the Nigun Matan Torah. And it had an effect on people like the revelation at Sinai, clarity, truth. But I guess Yosef Kolboy didn't transcribe notes because we don't know what the nigun is. We know the name of it, but we don't know what it sounds like. But we know other nigunim of the Alter Rebbe. So I'm going to ask Rebelli to take us to a level of truth and clarity and thought that words cannot reach. This nigan is called a nigan yoshan, and it's actually, there's a difference of opinion if this is part of the ten nigunim that the, or the special ten nigunim that the Alter Rebbe composed, but the tradition is that this may be part of, part of those ten.
By the way, he just, uh, Rabbi Yalev whispered to me during the, the Nigun, he says, by the way, my wife's in the hospital. I said, she's okay? Yeah, yeah, she, she'll, she didn't give birth yet. <laughs> His wife is giving birth at Mirz Hashem very soon. <laughs> and Yalev stopped by. So, was a chassidish of Abrenk and Uftun, that it should be a lady kala and Surah Stavis. Amen. Chaim, Chaim. Ayyalev, you came to join us. Called Dala Tavis, and uh, you have a piece of music from the Alter Rebbe for us. Correct. So, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, letting me up here. Um, the the nigin that uh, I want to present, I want to sing, is called Nigin Dvekis Chabad Letfilas Shabbos. This is a special nigin. It's one of the ten nigunim of the Alter Rebbe, and it's a nigin Dvekis. It's a nigin that the Alter Rebbe davened with. In fact. Um, the Alter Rebbe taught it, it's a nigan that all the Rabbeim used to daven for Tefillah Shabbos. And uh, so a few very interesting things about this nigan. and before we begin, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. So, 
number one, what's fascinating about this niggin, so take any niggin. A niggin is, is an arrangement of several stanzas, and you put them together, and uh, each one leading into the next, and you form a niggin. Usually three stanzas. The Dalabavis is famous, four stanzas. Dalabavis, some more complex, and they're going to have many stanzas. There's a, a niggin known for the niggin midraisig falun, niggin that has 30 stanzas. So there, there are different verses and tenuous in each niggin. And what's amazing about this niggin, it's built around one tenua. One little, and, and it's even known to people till today as a tenua. That tenua is, is the niggin, is the tenua that the Altar Rebbe davened with. But every time the Altar Rebbe davened, depending on the kavana and depending on the place of part of davening, and depending on on what the what the, the, the Islavus was at the time, that created that the niggin should appear in a little bit of a different way each time. And uh, it's known that, that uh, you know, if, if today if someone creates a song or even a niggin, the niggin is usually milmata There's a niggin that you, that someone created based on their musical talent. And with that, hopefully you can use for Kedusha, you can use to daven with, you can use to inspire. But the Rabbeim's Nagunim were different. The Rabbeim's Nagunim were Milmaila Lamata. Milmaila, the way this piece of, of art comes down into the world, it, it, it's the Slavish in a certain Tanua. And the same thing with all the, all the Nagunim, but specifically um, a Nigan that the Rabbeim davened with. So Nigan Tvekas Chabad is one of those. Now, it's interesting because throughout the years, Alter Rebbe taught it, um, but it wasn't notated, like we said, like the Nigan Matan Torah, it wasn't notated until later on. And later on it was notated just with the, with the tenua, just with, with the main part of the niggin, and, and we're going to sing it soon, and, and you'll have an idea of what I'm saying. But, um, but every Rebbe, the Mitzvah Rebbe, the Tzamech Tzedek, the Rebbe, you know, the Rebbe Maraj, the Rebbe Ashab, they all davened with this niggin, and finally it was notated in times of the Fritik Rebbe, so it went through so, so many changes. Now, there are some niggin that did not go through changes, like the Dalabavis, but but the Nigan Tvekis, because you dabble with it, there are so many. Now, for, what, for whatever reason, we were lucky, and we actually have a full version of this Nigan. And this is the second point that I want to make here, and that is besides for the Nigan Tvekis the Shabbos, the Nigan that the Rabbein would, would dabble with on Shabbos, they would dabble with also Nigan during Choyl, on the weekdays. And it was a little bit different. And and the Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashav taught all the ten Nugunim of the Altar Rebbe One of the Nugunim obviously was this. And when he taught it, he taught it together with, it, it became one Nigan, the Nigan of Tzvila, the Moisachel, and Tzvila for Tzvika's, uh, for, for Tzvila's Shabbos. And it could be, I don't know, but it could be that because uh, as there's Yeridus Hadaris, for us to be Davok and a Nigan of Shabbos or Yechoyel, it could be all the same thing. Maybe the earlier generations had more of a understanding, appreciation for the different uh, variations of Choyel or Shabbos. But, um, but now we have a full Nigan, and the, the reason why we have this is because one of the people that were there when the Rebbe Rashab uh, taught it was Chani Marazov, who was a secretary, and he taught it to his children, and his children both sing it. And uh, right now there's like there, if, in, even in Sefer Nagunim, if you, if you open Sefer Nagunim, the first book, you're not going to recognize the Nigan. The, it's Nigan Ches, it's, it's the eighth Nigan. Sefer Nagunim starts with Altar Rebbe Nagunim. Nigan number eight is, is, uh, is this Nigan. You will not recognize it. In fact, I was, I was sitting yesterday with uh, 
a chassa that lives here, and uh, we went through it, and, and it was unrecognizable. Um, the, the other version, which, which is, is the Merazov dynasty, if you will, um, they, they brought also the Rebbe Rashab's um, mucker that, that it has influenced in it also the Nigin Limais HaChayel, and together it makes a beautiful, beautiful Nigin. Even this current Nigin has different versions, different Nusrais, and um, you know, we can't sing them all, but we'll sing, <laughs> we'll sing the, 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 the Nigin the way it's known. And um, we have Ellie here, so hopefully we'll be able to have um, the music with it. So here goes. Yo 
auspicious time to take action and one of the ways that we can take action from this Fabrengen is uh, to give tzedakah to the fund which the Alter Rebbe himself founded and in fact the story of Kol Chabad, the tzedakah of the Alter Rebbe and the, uh, the Alter Rebbe's life and the story of Chofdala Tevis are all very much intertwined. We uh, have partnered with Kol Chabad tonight and there's a special link if you feel inspired from the, from the Fabrengen, from the music, maybe even from the words, whatever it is that uh, touches you, um, go to koilchabad.org slash 24tevis and uh, actualize the inspiration of the Fabrengen in a tangible way by giving to the Alter Rebbe's own tzedakah. We're going to now see a video that was produced in conjunction with tonight's event and uh, the Kailu Chabad Tzedakah of the Alter Rebbe. I'm here with my good friend Rabbi Zalman Duchman from Kailu Chabad, and we're having a Chov Dalat Tevis for bringing a few days early, a little bit early, because the rabbi is going to be in Eretz Yisrael, an important and holy business for Kailu Chabad and Chov Dalat Tevis. We're here in Crown Heights now, and we're speaking about the important connection between the life's work of the Alter Rebbe and the fund, the Kul Chabad Tzedakah Fund, which the Alter Rebbe founded. So it takes us back to the middle of the 18th century, in the, the 1770s, when after the historicals of the Mazir Chimagid, the Tamidi Hamagid, um, all wanted, many of them wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael. And the Alter Rebbe also wanted to go to, very much wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael. And he actually headed out on his journey till they came to the border. And the uh, other Talmudim um, uh, pressed upon the Alter Rebbe that White Russia or uh, Eastern Europe needs a Rebbe. And that the Alter Rebbe should be the one to uh, lead a Chassidim in, uh, in, in Eastern Europe. And the Alter Rebbe went into seclusion for a few weeks. And after that he came out and he accepted upon himself to lead Chassidim uh, in, um, back in Russia or the region. And he also took at that point responsibility for the physical, for the Gashmias 
needs of the Chassidim going to Eretz Yisrael. You see throughout um, the letters printed in the Geras HaKedish and other letters of the Alter Rebbe encouraging the Chassidim to support Kehil Chabad, support the Chassidim in Eretz Yisrael, Tzitkas Eretz Yisrael. The whole arrest was because of this, that he was sending money to Eretz Yisrael, that was then under the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was, in a, was an enemy of Russia. During the, his time in prison, he gave written testimony. This testimony uh, we have now, after the fall of communism, was discovered the Alter Rebbe's uh, prison file. And in the written testimony, you see a very long explanation of how the Alter Rebbe explains to the Russian government this obligation for every single Yid to support their brethren in Eretz Yisrael. The Alter Rebbe said it's not a new thing, not something that I started, it's something that has always been. But the Alter Rebbe did it in a very strong way. And they even have um, discovered in his prison file all the uh, um, receipts and balance sheets from the city of Vids of 1792, 1793, 1794, the letters back and forth with how much people gave. This receipt is for 18 and a half ruble and this receipt is for this amount. I mean, I, I don't know what the value is in today's dollars, but it seems the fact that they were collecting it, and this is only one city, was to highlight that in relative terms there was a, was a lot, a lot of money that was being sent. The way it was done is, during the time of the Alter Rebbe, there was something called a vacher. And that means weekly. The system was that there was a certain amount that they had to give on a weekly basis. This weekly system, this is the way it was done in the lifetime of the Alter Rebbe. This brings us until the War of 1812 with Napoleon. Napoleon was advancing into Russia. The Alter Rebbe opposed Napoleon. Um, it became a danger for the Alter Rebbe to stay at home and he had to travel. The Mittler Rebbe writes a very detailed letter chronicling the travels of the uh, Alter Rebbe from Ervish Chaydish Elul all the way through Haftal Tevis till after the Histalkos. Now, Russia won that war. There was that whole uh, Napoleon tried to enter Moscow in the winter and he was unable. So, Russia won the war. And nevertheless, he's saying the Russian economy was devastated. The way the Mittler Rebbe described his letters were terrible in Russia. And it became to a point that it would be impossible for them to uh, mandate on a weekly basis such that a person should give a regular stipend. That's when the Pushka was born, where the Mittler Rebbe, soon after the Histalkos, soon after Chavdal Tevis, he sends out a letter to all the Chassidim that they should all have mounted onto their wall near their table. And he says to get, put in either a cotton or two, a half a cotton, a penny, a, a, a half a penny, two pennies before you eat breakfast. If you have guests, every person should give in a penny, a penny, a penny. For uh, women, before they bake challah, they should also give. And also before, before uh, benching licht. Then the middle rabbi write, writes that they're going to go around collecting the pushkas and to make sure to see how many kapkis and the ruble is in each one to make sure that chassidim were taka giving every single day and multiple times a day. And that is really the first time where we find the pushkas for Kehla Chabad or for any tzedakah, and that was the birth of the pushka. In the letter that the Mittler Rebbe chronicles the travels, he mentions the chassidim that were spies. That um, the Rebbe sent chassidim to spy on Napoleon. So there's this famous story of Moshe Meislish. And when, when Moshe Meislish was spying, against Napoleon for the Tsar. He was in the war room with the, the generals, and at that moment, Napoleon himself barged in, and he suspected something. Napoleon, I guess, had a method of detecting who was nervous, and uh, he walked over to Misha Meislish, and he said, who's the stranger? You're a spy, and he put his hand on Misha Meislish's heart. Misha Meislish understood 
what Napoleon was doing, and he reminded himself of this teaching, the Aleph of Chassidus, the, the brain rules the heart, and he was able to respond in a very calm way that I'm a, a polyglot, somebody who knows many languages, and as such, I'm working for your, uh, for your army. And uh, Napoleon let him, let him go. He later moved to Eretz Yisrael and he lived in Hebron. And in Hebron, he was writing fundraising letters for Chayel Chabad. And we have a letter that he sent to Moses Montefiore, trying to raise money for Moses Montefiore for Chol Chabad. And in the letter, for his credentials, to establish his credentials, he writes that I served as a spy on behalf of the Alter Rebbe in, for the Tsar and brought it, came into, the, uh, in, into Napoleon's inner circle. Since the Histalkos of the Alter Rebbe, of Chavdala Tevis, Tavkofayin Gimel, or the short while afterwards when the, the Rebbe wrote that letter, the Kel Chabad Pushka became a fixture in every Chassid's home. Um, it's something that uh, all throughout, um, each of the Rabbeim spoke about it, spoke, um, uh, cherished it. The, the um, Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe Nishma said, we even find the first, from the first letters, a few weeks after Yudshvat Tavshiyud Aleph, the Rebbe writes a letter in support of Kel Chabad um, and this pushka became a fixture in every, in every chassid's home. Additionally, you see in the uh, photographs, that when there was photographs taken inside the Rebbe's room, when Shazar came, or Nachem Begin came, or the Rabbanim Rashim, you always see either on the table or right beside the table, Kel Chabad pushka. Later years, it was a pushka that looked like this one. I know that it was uh, emptied quite frequently. Also, the Rebbe had another pushkin in the Rebbe's house that was also um, uh, emptied frequently. The Rebbe, before the Rebbe went to the Eil, the Rebbe would regularly send $100 to Kelo Chabad. Um, a lot, I can't say every time, but many times when people would send into the Rebbe money, li'ilu nishma somebody, in memory of somebody, that money the Rebbe would forward to Kelo Chabad. Um, additionally, there's checks that the Rebbe would give under different amounts, different intervals to Kelo Chabad. So the Rebbe received a receipt for the amount that the Rebbe gave, and it said, Chakad Morshli. The Rebbe sent it back. The Rebbe asked with the IRS accept this as, an, as a receipt. In fiscal year 1990, the Rebbe gave over $10,000 to Kelo Chabad. In 1978, in Adar, a few days before my father got married, the Rebbe called him in, and um, uh, the Rebbe spoke to him, gave him a whole vision that the Rebbe had for Kelo Chabad to grow, for it to grow and to expand. And today, Baruch Hashem, with the brachis, we have the schus, we help tens of thousands of families on a regular basis. There's 10,800 families that receive food from us every single month. There's 3,000 people that eat in our soup kitchens every single day. There's um, uh, many amanas uh, and yesayimim that uh, benefit from us. Um, uh, we help them with, uh, with regular stipends financially, help them scholastically, and a whole host of other um, programs. Today, Baruch Hashem, there's well over a quarter of a million Kelo Chabad Stakopushkas in people's homes. And it's not just in their homes, but people fill it up regularly, and they send the money, to, and we send the money to Eretz Yisrael. And the same, this is in addition to, to um, support people give through the internet, but the Pushka system, the same way it's operated for the past 206 years, supporting the Altarab Staka that's operating for the past 231 years, I mean, Kail Chabad is the oldest continuous operating Jewish charity in the world, and it is our honor to be part of Kail Chabad. And we hope, together with the Rebbe's Brachis, to continue Ad Biyaz Kail Tzedek, fulfilling this mission that the Alter Rebbe started 231 years ago. Every Fabrengen has to have a practical outcome. Those who are looking for a resolution, something practical to do with all this inspiration, we can. 
contribute to the Alter Rebbe's own tzedakah, to Koil Chabad. Koil Chabad has created special for tonight's occasion a link, koilchabad.org slash 24 Tavis. And there you can contribute and bring the inspiration of tonight's Fabrengin into actuality. And it should be a blessing and a merit for all of us. Okay, um, we're going to try to do something uh, because we're live. We can interact with the people out there uh, all around the world who are, who are watching on the live stream. We're going to have a CD giveaway. And I have here an excellent CD. Hold on, hold on a second. What is this? Is, this, is, this is what? This is called Energy. This is called... Davra Malach, right? And these are CDs from Eli Marcus, who is our very own, our very own Eli Marcus, our uh, musical uh, host for the evening. And uh, if you are the 24th, can we pull up the number? Can we pull up the, the phone number? Okay, so this is 516-495-3021. That is the Soul Words WhatsApp broadcast. So if you're subscribed already, you're subscribed already. Don't subscribe twice. If you're not subscribed, you can send a text subscribe and add it to your contacts. And whoever's the 24th text tonight, in honor of 24 Tavis, uh, is going to win these two CDs, as well as, just we'll throw it in uh, as an extra bonus, this uh, Mapping the Tanya three CD set, three hours of an overview of the 53 Prokim of the Alter Rebbe's Tanya. So that's to the 24th person who texts in. We'll announce a little bit later. Hashem, uh, who's the lucky winner there. Um, Ali, how are you feeling so far? Fantastic. Fantastic. You great. sound great, by Thank the you. way. Thank you. Well, Hashem. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to talk about. But, you know, we were talking about earlier how Anigin Chabad is special because it sort of it uh, rearranges your thinking, it organizes your your brain, and uh, you know there's a, there's a story Chassidim say that one time the Yitzhahara, you know the Yitzhahara has 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 shluchim, he has little Yitzhaharalach who work for him, so the Yitzhahara was one time training a new apprentice and he was walking down the street, and uh, they saw a guy a yid walking along. And this yid stopped in the middle of the road, and he, he, he noticed something. He bent over. This yid bent over and picked something up. And uh, the Yitzhahara's apprentice asked the, the big Yitzhahara, he said, what did that guy just pick up? And he says, well, he found a piece of truth, a piece of emes, and he picked up some emes. Okay? They walked down a little bit further. And they saw this same guy, he stops, he sees something, he stops, and he bends over and picks something up again. And the Yitzhahara's apprentice asks the Yitzhahara, what did the guy do just now? What did he pick up now? He says, another piece of the truth, a little bit more emes. And they walked a little further, they followed the guy, and they see he bends over again, he picks something up. What did he pick up this time? Another piece of the truth, a little bit more emes. So the Yitzhahara's assistant, he looks at the big Yitzhahara, he says, you don't look very nervous. This guy's finding all these pieces of emes. That's not good for our business. And the big Yitzhahara says, don't worry, Yitzhahara, who do you think is going to help him arrange it all? 
you know, it's one thing to have the truth, but it's another to put it in the right order. The order, the order is everything. Like Dal Rebbe says about uh, Barzel, we don't use iron in the Beis Hamikdash because iron is a weapon. It's used as an implement of destruction. And Barzel, Al Rashatevis, Bila, Rachel, Zilpa, Leia. Those are the Yemois. So yeah, the Heiliki Yemois, there could be nothing more holy than the Yemois. How can then you say Barzel has a negative connotation? And see this answers, because it's all in the wrong order. <laughs> you have the younger before the old, and you have the, 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 the second wife before the first wife. The whole thing's messed up, and when you mess up the order, everything's messed up. So Chabad is about restructuring our thought. You can be very, very smart and very, very wrong. In fact, the, the smarter you are, the more wrong you are when you're wrong. They talk about uh, Shechad. Taylor said that Shechad is Yaver Ene Chachamim. It blinds the eyes of the wise. You know, there was once a Dayan in his old age. He went, he, he went deaf. And somebody said, Why'd you go deaf? He says, From Shechad. They said, But Shechad makes you blind. He says, People talked a lot. I never saw the money. So he went deaf. He heard the promises. <laughs> the Rebbe asks a question. It's an interesting question. Obviously, blind in this Pusik doesn't mean physically blind. It means intellectually blind. So the Rebbe asks, if it's Yavr Eini Chachomim, why call them Chachomim? They used to be Chachomim. They, they, they lost their Chachomim. They took the Sheikh and, and, it, and it, ruined, it ruined their brain. Now they're Ois Chachomim. They're no longer Chachomim. So the Rebbe says, no, that's not what happens. It, it, halavai, that, if only that would be what would happen. But it doesn't happen. What happens is, Yavr Eini Chachomim. They use all of their Chachma, all their, their big powerful brain, to be wrong. So the smarter you are, when you're wrong, you're even more wrong. Which that's, that's, that's the craft of the Yetzirah. He has access to the most convincing voice in the world for each one of us. Our own voice, right? The Yetzirah comes to you and he sounds so smart. He sounds so smart because he sounds just like me. And what does he do? He comes to me with very, very rational arguments. The Ruach Shtus, by the way, you should know, talks about in Tanya, how to cut through the Ruach Shtus. If only the Ruch Shtus would be as silly as the name Shtus sounds. The Ruch Shtus is successful because it's, it sounds so smart. It's so convincing. It sounds intelligent. And, but what is the Ruch Shtus? The Ruch Shtus is the falling into the trap when you start to rationalize. What does it mean to rationalize? Just like the word rationalize. Rational lies. They're very rational, very smart, but it's all lies, it's all shakya. Rearranging the truth, making, making, making it all falsehood. But it's built on truth. The building blocks are all true. So I want to tell you a story. A story about a very unusual visitor to Lyajna, to the town of Lyajna, the Altarebbe's town where he held court. And the story actually starts with a simple Hasidic family, a mother and a father, and they had a son. And... Um, this son was, maybe you could say he was unstimulated, and he was looking for greener pastures. And uh, long story short, he became 
intrigued with the literature of the Maskilim, of the Enlightenment movement, and um, he made a decision. His decision was based on the fact that he was an intelligent man, and he was intelligent. He knew he was intelligent. And he felt that if he would remain within Yiddishkeit, he would never be able to use his intelligence to its fullest. That was, that was the premise of this decision, that if he would remain within Yiddishkeit, he would be unfulfilled because he was talented, he was gifted intellectually, and he didn't have an opportunity to use it within Torah. And based on that premise, he left his town, he left his family, and he went to the big city. And obviously in those days, in order to make it in the big city, you couldn't remain Jewish. And unfortunately, Leilenu, he converted to Christianity. And he was very successful. He became a professor. And in fact, he had written two books two theses, one on mathematics and the other on medicine. And he was rather proud of them. These were his uh, masterpieces. But as much as he had accomplished in uh, the academic world, you know, at the end of the day, you want your parents nachas, you want your parents to be proud of you. And he knew his parents weren't proud of him. And it bothered him, bothered him deeply. So he came up with a plan how he's going to impress his parents. He knew his parents were chassidim, and he knew that the Magid of Lyoshna, which is how they called the Alter Rebbe in those days, that the Magid of Lyoshna was not only a genius in Torah, but Lahavdul also in secular subjects. And there are many stories going back to the Alter Rebbe's childhood, where the Alter Rebbe exhibited genius in the secular studies of the day. And there are, that's for another time, another occasion, but there are many stories about how the Alter Rebbe was, was, was known and renowned and had a reputation, even among the academics of, of the day. There were local universities in white Russia, and uh, they knew about the Alter Rebbe since he, was, since he was a child. At any rate, the Alter Rebbe was known, renowned for the fact that he was a genius also in the secular studies of the day. So this guy comes up with a plan. The plan is, he's going to go to Lyajna, he's going to bring the Alter Rebbe his two books. The book in medicine, the book in mathematics. The Alter Rebbe will be able to appreciate it. He'll be able to say, you did good, you're a smart boy, you did a good job. And then he'll run to his parents and he'll say, look, you might not be proud of the choices I made in life, but at least I want to tell you that the Rebbe himself said he wrote a good book. That, that was his idea. So one day, a very unusual sight uh, in Lyajna, a guy rolls in, he doesn't look Jewish at all. He looks like a, a non-Jew from the city. Doesn't look like somebody who would be looking for the Alter Rebbe. And he comes to the Alter Rebbe Shul and he's looking for the Alter Rebbe. He says so. He says, I'm looking for the Alter Rebbe. I want a, an audience. I want to meet with the Alter Rebbe. And it was arranged. And in fact, the Alter Rebbe said, fast track him. Give him the fast pass. And this fellow comes into the Altareva's room, the Altareva's holy room, and he has his two works, his two books, and he presents them to the Altareva. And the Altareva takes the books, takes one of them, and he opens it up, and he starts reading. And he's turning pages, turning pages. And um, the guy is feeling a little bit insulted here because the Altareva is just turning pages so quickly, he can't possibly really be reading. I mean, these are. These are serious scholarly works. You have to, you know, this is not 
yeah, these are not easy chair reading. You have to you have to read it carefully. Even his even his colleagues, his peers in the academic world, have to read it carefully. And the Alter Rebbe is just turning page after page. The Alter Rebbe finishes, and he picks up the next book and he starts doing the same thing. Alter Rebbe finishes, and he says regarding the first book. The logic is very good. It's very intelligent. But the premise upon which the book is based is flawed. And when the, when the fundamental premise is flawed, then no matter how strong your logic is, you end up at a totally erroneous conclusion. Then the author says, as for the second book, also, very good logic, very clear thinking. But again, there's a fundamental flaw in the premise. And if the premise is flawed, then no matter how intelligent the thinking is, you're going to end up with an erroneous conclusion. The guy was so upset, he grabbed his books, and he marched out. And he started pacing around in the shul. And it was winter, and in those times they had a stove. Stove, which kept the whole uh, room warm. He was pacing, he was marching back and forth in front of the stove. And he was thinking, how could the Altareva say that? How dare he? But then he started thinking about it, and he started thinking about the initial premise of each of these books. And he started thinking about the first book. He thought about the book of mathematics. And he realized right there in the very beginning, there was something that was completely wrong. And his whole building that he built was a, was a building on quicksand. It, 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 it was, the whole thing was wrong. And he realized, it just hit him with a, and he, and he thought about the fact all of his peers had reviewed, it was peer reviewed, all the other academics had read the same book and they, they lauded his genius, but the Alter Rebbe had skimmed through it so quickly and, and, and zeroed in on this, this fatal flaw, he realized the whole book was, was worthless. And he took the first book, the book on medicine, he opened up the stove and he tossed it inside and he burned it. He started pacing around again and he started thinking about his other book, the book in mathematics. And he started thinking about that. And he realized right there in the beginning, there's a flaw. And again, he opened up the stove. He took the second book. He tossed it inside. And then it hit him. The Alter Rebbe wasn't only speaking about his books. His books, too. But the Alter Rebbe was talking about his life. That you may be very wise, you may be very intelligent, your thinking's very clear. But when all your thinking is based on a faulty premise, then your conclusion is absolutely wrong. He built his entire life on the premise that he would be unfulfilled, that he would never reach his potential unless he left Yiddishkeit. And he pursued an entire life. He put a lifetime of work into a goal which he realized in retrospect really it was based on a complete error in judgment. And he was devastated. He realized he had lived his entire life wrong. Just like that. His entire life, he realized, had been wasted. With that, he came back to the Alter Rebbe and in tears of, of, of regret, he begged the Alter Rebbe to teach him a path to return begged Al-Tarebbe to help him to do Teshuvah. 
the Alter Rebbe had him learn with his son, the Mitler Rebbe, who was his eventual successor. And they learned Chassidus together for a short period of time. The study sessions between the Mitler Rebbe and this guest, what they studied about how to do Teshuvah during the months that this man was in Lyoshna, later on became the basis for the Mitler Rebbe's Sefer Derech Chaim. We know that the, the Mitler Rebbe wrote different Svarim for different individuals, with the exception of two Svarim. Shari Oira and uh, Shari Yuchad were written for all Chassidim, but all the other Svarim have a story behind them about a specific Chassid. Like Imr Bina was written for Yikusia Lepler, and Pekeh Ivrim was written for the Balchuva from the Yisab Balagola story, so on and so forth. Derech Chaim was written based on the Chavrusa between him and this guest, this visitor. And then after a few months of studying together, he passed away. This Balchuva, this sincere penitent, he left this world. And after that happened, the Alter Rebbe told the Mitle Rebbe, who this, who this man really was. He said, Alter Rebbe said, the famous penitent of the Gemara, Rebbe Alazar Bender Doya, the one of whom it says, Yesh Misha Koina Elame Achas. The famous story of, of Teshuvah from the Gemara in Aveda Zara, Rebbe Alazar Bender Doya, he was the lowest of the low, the dregs of the dregs. The Maral, in fact, says that his name means the dregs. And that in one moment of sincere contrition, of heartfelt teshuva, Abelazar ben Dadoya was able to acquire his Elam Haba. Alter Rebbe said that he comes back, Abelazar ben Dadoya comes back in Gilgulim, in reincarnations, looking for a Tikkun. And this was him in this generation. He came in this incarnation. And the Alter Rebbe told the Mitle Rebbe, but don't worry, he's fixed now, and he's done. He's not going to come back anymore. Think about... The the quintessential Baal Teshuvah, the Baal Teshuvah par excellence. When we want to give an example of the power of Teshuvah, it's Rebbe Lozabin Then why did he have to come back generation after generation? What, what tikkun did he need? What was lacking? What was he missing? And what was it that the Alter Rebbe gave him that completed him? What didn't he have the first time and what did he receive when the Alter Rebbe had the Mitle Rebbe learn with him. So it's very simple. You can be inspired, deeply inspired. You can be so thoroughly inspired that you rethink your entire life but it doesn't mean that you think differently. That's what an emotional experience is. We all know the dirty trick 
of creating an emotionally uplifting experience and the power of the experience is enough to create a shift. But it's not pnimius. Chabad mont pnimius. What does that mean? It doesn't really change the way that the person's mind works. In order to do that, you have to get in there, you have to do brain surgery. In order to do that, at least in this Gilgul, he had to finally come and he had to learn Chassidus Chabad. And with Chassidus Chabad, the Al-Terebbe changed the way that his actual mind worked. It's not enough to be influenced on the level of emotion. We can all be inspired, we can all feel regret, we can all feel remorse. In the case of Allah, that was his final moment in that lifetime. But there's, there's a difference between feeling something deeply and actually understanding why your premise was wrong. That the premise upon which you built your life that got you to that point of regret, to understand that that premise was wrong and how it was wrong. That's what the Al-Tarebbe did. One of the action items we mentioned before, giving tzedakah to Koyla Chabad, the Alter Rebbe's own tzedakah. But one of the action items that has to come from Chovdalat Tevis, and the Rebbe spoke about this repeatedly, is we have to devote ourselves to the study of chassidus, especially the Alter Rebbe's chassidus. And when we study Chassidus, especially the Alter Rebbe's Chassidus, Chassidus Chabad, it's not for inspiration, it's not in order to feel a powerful feeling, it's in order to rewire our brains. It makes us think differently. We cannot see reality the same way anymore after, we, after we've learned Chassidus Chabad. It's not just to feel bad that we've made, a, made an error it's to understand, to have fresh eyes and to see what the error was. To recalculate and understand what the proper decision would be and what the proper premise to live life based on would be. That's Chassidus Chabad. We're going to sing. Or Ali's going to sing. Thank God I'm not going to sing. But I've, I've got your back, Ali. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for you. Thanks. A nigun of the Alter Rebbe, which, uh, well, you want to tell us a little bit about the nigun sure, Tzoma? Sure. Uh, every year on Simchas Torah for about 15 years, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the Rebbe would teach a nigun Simchas Torah at about 4 o'clock in the morning. And uh, one of the nigunim that the Rebbe taught is a uh, nigun called Tzama Lachanafshi, uh, which the Rebbe told us is one of the ten nigunim of the Alta Rebbe. And uh, it's a very soul-stirring nigun, which talks about the thirst of the neshama for Hashem. And uh, we're going to sing it here tonight. 
like to invite the uh, crowd that we have here in studio to join with us and sing along. Joined in. 
I'm going to tell you another story about the Alter Rebbe and another person who was uh, perhaps living life based on a faulty premise who had uh, started on the wrong path and how the Alter Rebbe brought him back. The story is about, uh, well, today you call it uh, at-risk youth. There was a young man, a boy, healthy, red-blooded young man, uh, from a Hasidic family, and he began to stray from the, from the path of Torah. His father was heartbroken, dismayed, beside himself, didn't know what to do, and he went to the Alter Rebbe, and the father cried to the Alter Rebbe and said, he didn't know what to do with his son. So the Alter Rebbe told this, this chassid, he told him, you get your son to me, get him to me, I'll do the rest. The man didn't know how to figure out how, to, how he's going to get his son to the Alter Rebbe, but he knew if the Alter Rebbe told him, the Alter Rebbe is taking care of it, the Alter Rebbe is taking care of it, now all he has to do is figure out some way how he's going to get his son to the Alter Rebbe. So what's he going to do? He came up with a plan. He knew one of the things his son liked to do is horseback riding. Now horseback riding, what do we know about horses? We drive cars, we don't know about horses. But in the old days, um, horseback riding was not considered a nice, polite pastime for a Jewish boy. You sit in a wagon, you have a horse that pulls a wagon, pulls a cart, and that's, that's more of a dignified way of a mode of transportation. But to, to sit on a horse, horseback, and to go riding like a cowboy, wasn't, it wasn't a nice thing. But this young man, he loved it. He loved it. He had this horse, a fast horse. He loved riding his fast horse. So the father came home. He knows all he has to do, he has to get this young man to Lyajna. And they, they didn't live in Lyajna. They lived in another small town. So he comes to his son and he says to him, I wonder, could you do me a favor? Could you go to the town of Lyajna for me and bring a message for me? So the son says, can I ride the horse? The father says, yeah, sure, you could ride the horse. Now that was the whole thing. He knew that the son was going to ask, can I ride the horse? And if he would tell him, yeah, sure, you can ride the horse, that was going to get him to the Alter Rebbe. So he said, yeah, sure, you could ride the horse. Great. Fantastic. So the boy gets on the horse and he rides into town, goes galloping off to Lyajna. He has to deliver a message for his father. The message is to the Alter Rebbe, so it goes to the Alter Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe had seen him dismounting, getting off of the horse. And uh, the Alter Rebbe asked him, he says, young man, I see you like to ride horses. What's the advantage of such an animal? So the young man, he says, oh, are you kidding? This is a fast horse. A fast horse is a wonderful thing. The Alter Rebbe asks him, why? What's wonderful about a fast horse? The boy says, well, it gets you where you're going so much faster if it's a fast horse. The Rebbe says, yeah, but what if the horse is going the wrong way? It went off course. Now it goes off course even faster. The young man said, yeah, that's true. But if it's a fast horse, 
and it realizes it's going the wrong way and it wants to get back on the right path, it gets back on the right path faster. The Altenema says, yeah, that's true. When it realizes. Then it chapt When he realizes. And the boy realized the Altenema wasn't just speaking about horses. The horse was a marshal, it was a metaphor. The Altenema was speaking about this young man. This young man, healthy, red-blooded young man, had a, had a fast horse inside of him. A fast horse that wanted to show its power, wanted to show what it could do. And unfortunately, the way that his fast horse was expressing itself was not in the path of Torah. And because he was so talented, he had such energy, when he went off course, he really went off course. But precisely the same flaw, the fast horse that got him off course so fast is what could get him back on the right course even faster. You see, there are two types of mylas. A myla, character, virtue, an asset. There are virtues that are already virtues and then there are potential virtues. We call them character flaws, but they're potential character assets. That's actually the Hayyem Yem from today, from Chovdala Tevis. Chovdala Tevis, the Hayyem Yem, that ever wrote a sefer, a small sefer called Hayyem Yem. And every single day, it's a little bullet, a little capsule of, of Taita, of Emes, of reality. It's a tiny little thing. The Rebbe called it Luach Chabad. Implanted light or seeds of light. You know what a seed is? A seed is a, is a tiny thing. But it can unleash unlimited potential. You know? Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only Hashem can count the apples in a seed. A seed has unlimited potential. Every Hayyem Yem is a seed. You learn how yamim, it takes you 30 seconds, 60 seconds, tops, 90 seconds, but it grows. And it gives infinite fruits of wisdom, of clarity. So today's Hayyemim, Chov Dalet Tevis, says that the Rebbe Marash, the seventh and youngest son and eventual successor of the Tzemach Tzedek, asked his father the Tzemach Tzedek, he asked him, what did the Zaydeh, meaning the Alter Rebbe, the first Rebbe of Chabad, what did the Zayda want to accomplish with the ways of Chassidus and with Chassidus itself? And the Tzemach Tzedek answers like, like this. It almost sounds like a non sequitur. There's a Reisha and a Seifa, a first clause and a second clause. He said that, that, that the Alter Rebbe wanted the Chassidim should be like a family, a loving family, Ba'ava, a loving family. And then he says, Chassidus is Chayas. And you take the chayas, the vitality, and you bring it into everything, and you illuminate everything, even the light toiv, the negativity. And you have to know your own ra, your own negativity, in order to fix it. It's an interesting two concepts put together. What does that mean? I don't know. This is bederach afshir, meaning I made it up. <laughs> When, when you love somebody, does it mean you don't see their faults? 
Well, that's one darg of Avas Yisrael. You know, the Abder Rav was known as the Ayav Yisrael. And he said, you can find Avas Yisrael in every word in Torah. So someone once asked him, what about Balak, the Jew hater, the anti-Semitic king, Balak, oh, the wicked Balak who hired Bilam to curse the Jews. So the Abder Rav said, well, Balak, yeah, for sure you find Avas Yisrael in Balak because it's the Rosh HaTevis, V'yahavta Reyacha Kamecha. And they said, but it's not V'yahavta Reyacha Kamecha because V'yahavta is a, is a Vav, not a, not a vase, Balak, base Lamed Kuf. The, the Lamed, okay, Liracha, the, the Lamed is okay, but then Kamecha, it's not a Kuf, Balak is a, is a Kuf, Kamecha is with a Chof. So two out of the three letters are all wrong. <laughs> He said, yeah, Taka, when it comes to you cannot be so fussy. <laughs> so that's one darg of Avas Yisrael. Avas Yisrael means that you see that someone has a fault, but you look aside, you, 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 you turn a blind eye. But then there's family. And with family, nobody starts up with your family. You want to tell me my, my, my family member is flawed? He's not flawed. He has a problem. He's working on it. He's getting better. And his, his character flaw is a character virtue in potential. He just didn't actualize it yet. Meaning the same way that we look upon ourselves. So chassidim are one family. You have to change your own leitoiv and fix it. And therefore, Chassidus is not afraid of the loytoiv. It's not afraid of the negativity. Chassidus is chayas, and you have to bring the chayas into every nook and cranny. There's no dark corner of the human psychology that Chassidus is afraid to penetrate. There's no character flaw that you can say cannot be redeemed. So comes a boy with a fast horse, and you can write him off, and you can say he's a troublemaker. Or you could say, hold on a second, there's a great advantage from a fast horse. You know, the Rebbe spoke about chometz. Chometz is a high-risk investment. Chometz is a funny thing. On Pesach, you don't want to have chometz, right? The women go absolutely bonkers trying to make sure that there's not one crumb, one speck of chometz in the house. And then what do we do? The husband goes out. And he buys the biggest shash, the biggest risk of chametz. He walks right in the door with it, and nobody says a word. You know what it is? You know what the biggest risk of chametz in every, any Jewish house on Pesach is? Your matzah. Matzah. Because you're taking flour, and you're mixing it with water. And you're relying, hopefully, they, 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 they baked it fast enough. That's why the Pesach says, Ushmartem esamatzes. You have to guard them. You have to prevent them from becoming chomets. So I got a plan for you. Instead of creating this nail biter, you know, why do we have to have this, this potential chomets bomb and have to call on the bomb squad? Let, let, I have an idea that's much more relaxing. Don't make matzah out of something that can become chomets. So the Yerushalmi says, now, if it can't become chomets, it can't be matzah. So the Rebbe says like this, 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 is, this is a hero and aveda. This is a lesson in life. If it can't become chametz, it can't become matzah. If it can't be misused, it can't be used. And the whole Yeridas and the Shama, 
The whole descent of the soul into a body is based on this high-risk, high-yield investment. That the Eibsh takes a neshama from the Eitzer neshamas. It's much safer to leave it in Gan Eden. Don't do it. Eibshter, don't take this precious neshama and put it behind enemy lines. And yet, no risk, no reward. High risk, high reward. And not only the Eibshter put us into a body with a nefeshabamis, but he gave our nefeshabamis a bunch of quirks, a bunch of character defects. But those are the fast horses. The fast horses, the character defects, are the potential character assets. And if there's not a risk of succumbing to our own defects of character, then there's no possible way we can serve the Eibishter by redeeming them and refining them and changing the light toif. The point is that we're family, and you don't write off family, even when they're flawed, even when they have a problem. And not only that, not only do you overlook it, like the Abderov said, don't be so fussy, no, find a guy's fault and say, you know what? You've got a lot of potential, a lot to work with. And if our youth knew that that's how they were regarded, that they were regarded as perfect, that there was no such thing as identifying a flaw in them, only potential assets, a diamond in the rough, hasn't been developed yet. If we, each of us, could reach out to our children and our neighbor's children, the way the Altarebbe reached out to that to that young man, that, that youth at risk. And tell him that what everyone else is calling a problem is not a problem, it's a potential virtue. And that we love him the way he is. And he's perfect in our eyes. And he's a work in progress. Then we can have the same effect on a young person the way the Alter Rebbe had an effect on this young person, on this young man. We all know this is the call of the hour today. After decades of Balichova, uh, people coming to Yiddishkeit, the new question is, what about retention? What about the, those who are already from? And one way, one attitude is cut our losses and start writing people off. But you don't write off family. You don't write yourself off. You don't write off your family. Someone has a defect. It's not a defect. It's a potential asset. I'm going to tell you one more story. Quick story. But I'll make it long. <laughs> In traditional rabbinic fashion. The story is... It actually is intertwined with the how the Slavita printing press came into existence. The, when the Tanya was printed, when the Altareva printed the first Tanya, it was printed in Slavita by the uh, Slavita printing press, which was run by Reb Meishe Shapira, which interestingly enough, many people don't know this, but Reb Meishe Shapira, who was the owner of the Slavita printing press, he was the son of Pinchas Koretze. Reb Pinchas Koretze was one of the Talmudia Magad and even a Talmud of the Baal Shem Tif. And um, then after his passing, his sons took over the printing press. He had two sons, Shmuel Abba and Pinchas. Reb Meish's son, Pinchas, was named after Reb Meish's father, Pinchas, Pinchas Koritzer. At any rate, and, and there's, there, 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 
there's a story I'm not going to tell right now about the incredible heroism of Shmuel Abba and Pinchas Shapira, the, the brothers of the Slavita printing press. It's a whole long story. It has to do with the Machlaikis, with the Vilna printing press. The Slavita had a shas, and Vilna wanted to have their shas. Then the Maskilim got involved, and there was a libel, and there was a whole thing, and then some, somebody was found dead in the printing house, and a whole long story. But the, the famous um, moment from that story, which many of us have heard, and been inspired by is when they were sentenced to run the gauntlet. That's when they have to run in between a, a, a row of, of soldiers on each side. And the soldiers had clubs and whips and they were beating them. And as the brothers were running through, one of them, he lost his yarmulke, his yarmulke fell off. And instead of to continuing to run, he stopped. He didn't want to walk without a yarmulke. And while he delayed to pick up his yarmulke, he, he suffered further blows at the hands of these soldiers. And anyway, but that's not the story I'm telling. The story is, how did there come to be a printing press in Slavit to, 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 to begin with? And the story is like this. Rameshe Shapira came to the Alter Rebbe. And he says, I have a problem. I want to make a printing press. I want to make Sifre Kodesh. I want to get Jewish books, holy books out there. But the minister of education, he's an anti-Semite, and he won't give me a, a permit. He's trying to charge me an exorbitant fund, uh, sum. And, and, and I, can't, I can't afford it. He's not giving me the permit. So the Alter Rebbe says to this Rebbe Maisha, he says, go to Moliv, which is a town on the Dnieper River, and find Rebbe Yisrael der Malamed, a school teacher named Rebbe Yisrael in Moliv. And then take him to Vilma, and you'll be okay. Achosah doesn't ask questions. It didn't make any sense what Molev has to do with the Minister of Education, or even Vilna. Molev is a small town. Vilna is a big town, but it has nothing. The government is in Petterburg. It's in the imperial capital. So Molev, Vilna, Reb Yisrael de Ramelamed, none of this None of this has any overt connection to anything that Reb Meisha was asking for, but the Alder Rebbe told him, so he went. So he went to Moliv, and he meets, he asks around, where's Reb Yisrael der Malamed? And he finds this Reb Yisrael, and, and, and he asks Reb Yisrael, will you come with me to Vilna? He says, for what? He says, the Alter Rebbe told me to bring you to Vilna. So he says, the Alter Rebbe told you to bring me to Vilna for what? He says, to, to get a permit to open a printing press. So the Malamud laughs. He says, what do I have to do? I don't know ministers. I don't travel in diplomatic circles. I don't know how to talk to such people. And what do you want me to do? Based on this, this whole uh, this wild goose chase, I'm going to leave the children, and they won't have a Malamud. I, I'm sorry. I'm not ready to do this. So uh, Moshe persisted. And finally, he, he named his price. He, he paid him. Come to Vilna with me. Fine. So Rabbi Yisrael de Malamed came with uh, Rabbi Meisha and they went to Vilna. So they come to Vilna and they go to the Parnas Chaydish. The Parnas Chaydish is like a municipal, it's like a sort of a civic um, government role. It's an unofficial, it's not an official government role, but it's, it was sort of a liaison between the Jewish community and the municipal government. And in Vilna, the Parnas Chodesh was named Reb Meir Rafoyles. And Meir Rafoyles, that's a whole other story for another Fabrengen, how Meir Rafoyles, who was the Parnas Chodesh of Vilna, the very bastion of antagonism to Chassidus, how Reb Meir Rafoyles himself became a Chassid of the Alter Rebbe, and that's for another time. But at any rate, 
This Rebbeisha comes with Rebbe Yisrael de Malamed, he comes to Vilna, he comes to Meir Refoyles, and he says, we're here. Why are you here? The Alter Rebbe said to come here. Okay, that was enough. That was all that the Meir Refoyles had to, had to hear. He says, no problem. We're going to walk around Vilna until we find out why you came. And that's what they did. They would walk around Vilna. And they did this for a few days. And one day they were in a park. And there was this uh, non-Jewish nobleman staring at them. And then they realized he's staring specifically at Rebbe Yisrael. So, you know, Meir Rafael's was the one who had confidence speaking to such people in his, in his position as liaison, community liaison with the, with the city government. He, he was used to speaking to people like this. So he walked over to this non-Jewish official and he said, I see you're looking at my friend. Is that correct? He says, yeah, I am. He says, it looks like you want to talk to him. He says, yeah, I do. So uh, this official took out a card. He gave it a mayor of the card, and he says, tell your friend to come to the hotel tomorrow where I'm staying, not from Vilna, from the capital, passing through Vilna. Tell him to come to the hotel where I'm staying in Vilna. And this, is, this card is his pass to get in with me. And tell him to come on time, because the only reason I'm remaining here in Vilna is to have my meeting with him. Okay, something's happening. So the next day, Rabbi Yisrael, the Ramalamid, goes to the hotel, he presents the card, and he meets with this uh, nobleman. This nobleman says to Rabbi Yisrael, he says, where are you from? He says, from Molif. He says, no, you're from Shklov. He says, well, yeah, Taka, originally I am from Shklov, that's true. Shklov and Molif are not that far from each other. They're both on the Dnieper River. He says, that's true, but it's been 20 years since I was in Shklov. The guy says, yeah, but that's where you're originally from. And when I, I want to tell you a story that happened many, many years ago in Shklov. There was a young man, there was a boy, a Jewish boy, and he did something that wasn't correct. And his parents didn't know how to handle him. And the community didn't know how to handle him. And so they humiliated him. They thought they were going to teach him a lesson. They brought him to the big shul and they tied him up in the hallway in front of the shul so that everyone who would, who would come to Davin, everyone who would enter shul, they would pass him and they would spit in front of him to humiliate him. Everyone would walk by and they would spit in front of him and to, that, this would teach him a lesson. He said, but one kind person, one kind person had Rachmanis, and he came over and he untied the boy so the boy could run away. The boy was me, and the kind person who untied him was you. You, Rabbi Yisrael, you untied me. You were the only person who treated me like a human being. He says, I ran away and I went, I went so far away from my community. And, and, and as you know, in those days, to leave the Jewish community meant conversion. He became a Christian, Leolainu. And uh, then he became promoted through the ranks. And he says, I even became minister of education. Holy cow. Minister of education. Minister of education. This is why the minister of education is such an anti-Semite. He's one of us. 
Rabbi Yisrael says, I can't believe this. I'm only in Vilna now because some chassid of the Alter Rebbe came to Molive and asked me to come to Vilna, which I didn't understand. And then we walked around town until you spotted me. And now you were the minister of education. This is who this Rebbe Moshe has been trying. He's trying to get a hold of you. He's trying to get the permit from you. The Minister of Education says, no problem, I'll give him the permit. Not only give him the permit, I'm going to write you a check for 2,000 ruble, which is an incredibly large sum of money in the time. And so I'll take care of it. Anything else you want, move to Petterburg. I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. Rabbi Sorrell said, you know what? I'm not really interested in living in Petterburg. It's not a, really, it's a, not a Jewish place. It's outside of the Palace Settlement. He says, I, I'm, I'm happy to return to Olive, but the, if you would just... Grant this one favor, because clearly this is the only reason that I'm here, is because I'm supposed to help Reb Meisha to get the printing press in Slavita. And so it was granted. And that's how the Tanya was printed, the first Tanya printed by the Alter Rebbe, and many holy Svatim were printed because of the printing press in Slavita. And the printing press in Slavita existed because of the compassion of one person to someone that the entire community had written off. We don't write off family. We don't write off ourselves. We don't write off family. The Altera wrote a Sefer, Sefer Shal Beninim. What's a Beninim? A Beninim is a Baal Madrega. A Beninim doesn't do an Aveda, not Machshav and Ibra It's a Frumayid. And the heart of Tanya, Periglamid base of Tanya, is Avas Yisrael. A Frumayid has Avas Yisrael. And Avas Yisrael means you don't write off a Jew. And when you see a Jew who has a flaw, he doesn't have a flaw. He has a potential character asset. He has a fast horse. And it just needs to be directed in the right way. And if we'll see each other this way, with love, with compassion, with a good eye, not only there will be no reason for anyone to want to go away from this beautiful life that we have, but to the contrary, we will foster all the potential greatness of all the, the children who, whose potential can be realized. These are the children who are going to bring Mashiach. I'm uh, very happy to announce a surprise guest, although we said earlier on that he's coming, but you can pretend it's a surprise. Where's Baruch Shal? Here? Oh, what a surprise! I had one last text message to respond to. By the way, Ariyaleb was here earlier, his wife was in the hospital having a baby. Oh, wow. So I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, what did you do for us to be here? That's what I'm saying. It's good to see you. How are you, Shay? Nice to see you. Very, very, very good. Ali's been singing. It's been great. It's been fantastic. Yes, I've heard all the way from my living room. Oh, you were here? Yeah. It was going out into space and then back down. A good mix, by the way. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, they're doing a great reel to reel. They're doing an incredible job here with the sound and with the, uh, with the visual. It's good. It sounds good at home. Yeah, they say it sounds good at home. Okay. By the way, we had a CD giveaway. We're going to announce the winner soon. Who won the CDs? The uh, Ali Marcus CDs, the Energy, and the Dovah Melech, and then the three-hour overview of Tanya. Yeah? 
We okay. can get uh, Barksham to throw in a CD. Barksham, you brought a CD? Fifteen bucks. Fifteen. <laughs> okay, forget it. All right. What What are you here to do with us this evening? Um, a classic from the Alter Rebbe. Now I was thinking of bringing my guitar. Then I realized that the Alter Rebbe is going to be not guitar based. So another time, maybe. Yeah, and I thought it was raining outside. So <laughs> partially two reasons. You have a case. The guitar has a case. Right, but then there was lacking the Rotson, so there was a lot of. Right. Things that led up to, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. The bottom line is? It doesn't go well then the gun. Okay, fine. Okay. So, yeah. I'll yeah. Let's... So, what are we going to hear? Any ideas? Very, very spontaneous. Yeah, for sure. Come on, Ali. Which thing are we going to do? Oh, Hi.
Voices, you know, you sing a chiddush and it has an effect. Now, Baruch Hashem, you know, some people also have a nice voice. Baruch Hashem. Well, I, I actually like when people sing that don't have good voices sing the good. You know. Yeah, because that's like a certain humbleness. Yeah. Yeah, versus like you know, it's like. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, it's sort of like the the Rebbe Sicha about the bikurim, about the wicker baskets and the, and the silver trays, right? The Rebbe talks about the spontaneous. By the way, it's not scripted. We're just <laughs> there's a sicha about bikurim that um, when they would bring their first fruits to Yerushalayim, so poor people would put the, the fruits in a, in a wicker basket. And the rich people could afford it, they would put the fruit on a, like a silver tray. And then they would give it to the kite. Now the mitzvah is to give the fruit, but it says that the silver trays, the kaihanim would give back to the owners, and the wicker baskets, the kaihanim would keep. So the Gemara says, hold on, this is the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, because the poor guy, he, he, 
he, he can only afford a wicker basket, and he doesn't even get it back. He lost his basket, right? So the Rebbe explains it like this. The, the fruit and the basket is like the kavana and the mitzvah. The mitzvah is the container with, within which you put the feeling. And sometimes when you do something fancy, you do something with flourish. It's very pretty, but it, it lacks the humility, so it doesn't become bottle. So it doesn't become part of the mitzvah, and so the koyen gives the silver tray back. But the humble wicker basket, it's so selfless, it just becomes part of the whole mitzvah. So when he gives the fruit in the basket, the mitzvah is to give the fruit, but now the basket became part of the mitzvah, and it just stays with the koyen. And, and that's my excuse for why I'm going to sing the next nigga. You ready to accompany me on piano? Yes. Ellie? Okay, I'm just joking. Please don't. This explains also uh, the non-silver uh, Esther cases. The non-silver Esther cases. And the fedora hats. And the fedora hats, yeah. And all the humble, sort of low-key, <laughs> kabad styles. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about the, the Alta Rebbe. It's a night of stories, songs, and... By the way, can you, you, can you stick around? Ariel had, had an excuse. He had to run because his wife was in the hospital having a baby. But could you hang out a little bit? If you don't make me go through that avoid again, yes. Yeah, that was tough. It is tough. But no, we're not going to see like a seat, like, more like, I don't know. It's hard to see. Yeah. Um, the Rebbe. Chavdal Tevis. Yem Hilula. Um, so I'll tell you like this, in the, in the, in the, in the Altaheim, back in, you know, the old country, they used to have a minig, that the Shabbos, Shabbos Estman Kigel, you have to have a Kigel, a Kugel, Kigel. If you really make good Kugel, you have to call it Kigel, right? Because those who know how to make, by the way, we want to, we want to thank uh, Gambo's Hamisha Bakery, Hamisha Bakery, it's real, right? Okay. At any rate, that was our sponsor, one of our sponsors, and, and Sushi Spot too. And how do you pronounce Buffenbon? Buffenbon? Buf how do you say it? It's a French word. Buff. Buffenbon. I think it's Buffenbon. Yeah? And it's a French word. I mean, that's what I use on Alexa. Buffenbon order, please. <laughs> no problem ordering from McDonald's. <laughs> and hold on a second. Who else gave us food? Oh, Abers gave us the mashke and the wine. Selection. Wow. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. We had good sponsors. Um, COL is carrying the uh, live stream. Yeah. That's um, the Makif. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the. <laughs> the all encompassing. The all encompassing, right. I don't know if it's the Tainig or the Rotzain, but it's, <laughs> it's one of the two. Yeah. Um, what? The Malka catering? Yeah, yeah, Baruch Hashem. Um, any other? <laughs> Friday special. That's right. So, uh, oh, the kugel. You made me forget. I almost forgot the kugel. So they used to have a custom that Shabbos you have a kugel. Now, if it's a special Shabbos, what's a special Shabbos? Special Shabbos if, if, if there's two Torah readings. So you bring out two Sifre Torah, two, two Torah scrolls. And then they would eat two kugels, kugelach. Now, if it was a really, really special Shabbos, unusual Shabbos, a rare Shabbos, where you have three Torah readings, so three Sifrei Torah, like for instance, if it's Shabbos or Shchedish Tevis, that's always Hanukkah. 
So you have Shabbos the Kriya, you have the Rishchidosh Kriya, and you have the Hanukkah Kriya. So you have three readings and you have three Torah scrolls. And then you would have three Kugelach. So the question always was, is that a good minig? Or it's not a good minig? And the answer, like every Jewish question, is, Sevensach, it depends. What does it depend? If you sit at the Shabbos table and they present the Kugel and you look at the Kugel and you say, Ah, Torah, that's a beautiful minig. But if you're standing in shul and they open the oren and they bring out the sefer Torah and you look at it, you say, ah, kugel. It's not such a nice minute, right? Okay. This is gashmias and ruchmias. Kugel and Torah. You know, Yankiv and Esav, they were fighting from the womb. And we know that Yankiv was ishtam, yeshev, ayhalam. He was, he, was he was the spiritual one. And uh, Esav was the Ish Hasadeh, Yedeya Tzayed. He was the, the material one, the gruff one, the grub one. And they were fighting in the womb. And Rasha says they were fighting over the inheritance of two worlds. So I have a question. It's not my question. It's the Rebbe's question, by the way. What are they fighting over? Two worlds, Elam Haza and Elam Haba. But this one's materialistic and this one's spiritual. So let the material one take Elam Haza, the physical world, and let the spiritual one... Take Elam Haba, the spiritual world, and Shalom Al Yisrael, and you don't have to fight. You know the answer? Can I interject? Yeah, no, it's not interject. Last time there was a negotiation like that, one really bad. Um, Adam and Chat, right? Uh, Hevelin. Oh. I forgot the name because I'm like. Kainin Hevel. Yeah, Kainin Hevel. You yes, take the earth. Yeah, so they settled, and then someone got killed. So That's like, right, no. and someone got killed, so they yeah. didn't want to do it again. Right. Yeah. I'm just yeah. thinking that. Obviously not the answer. No, but I'm thinking about it. It's a great answer, really. You should write it up for the Ha'oris, by the way. I think I got it from Ginsburg. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and uh, Curl Lady. You want to sing Curl Lady? <laughs> the, whole, the whole struggle between the material and the spiritual, the body and the soul, some view it as, um, you know, you got to do your time. Soul comes into a body, and, and you're going to be tested, you're going to be tempted, and the, the point is to make it out alive. That's one way to view it. Another way to view it is there's something that the soul needs in a body that it can't get up there. The soul needs to come down here. It needs an experience in the physical world. There's a Hayyem Yeh, I think it's a Zion Kislev, that says there are three different schools of thought within Torah. One of them says um, that you should learn how to revile materiality. You should look down on it. Physical things, physical pleasure, it's all temporal, it's all fleeting. You should look down on it. And that's called the school of Musa. Then there's another approach that teaches you to cultivate an appreciation of spirituality, of the abstract, of ideas, Lofty things, intangible things, and that's called Chakira. Then it says, there's another school of thought which teaches you one Hashem made both physical and spiritual, and that the ultimate purpose of the physical is to be refined by the spiritual, and that the ultimate purpose of the spiritual is to be expressed within the physical, and that's called Teiras Achsidis. I think the Chiddush, more of the novelty, 
is the second part of that. First of all, to say that physicality has to be refined by spirituality, that we know. But it's even more than that. Spirituality needs physicality. The ultimate in spirituality is when it is expressed as physicality. When Shleimah Melech, who was the master of all parables, says that Rebbe Meir had 300 mashalim for every concept, Shleimah Melech had 3,000, and when he wanted to convey the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, he, he chose Ishva Isha. But the ultimate consummation of the Ava of Ishva Isha is a physical thing. And from that is the Kayach Eloda, the Kayach Einsof, and that's how we have children. So it's, it, it's a very beautiful thing, the love. But the love is abstract, it, you, 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 you can't touch it. The ultimate expression is physical. And the same thing in Yiddishkeit. Spirituality that's, re, that's allowed to remain abstract, and it's not expressed as mitzvahs maisius, as a physical deed. It lacked something. And it was for this that the, the soul came down to this world. So we see an interesting thing, that in the end of the days of the Alter Rebbe, toward the end of his life, he wrote two pieces of chassidus, which are a departure in many ways, or at least reveal a whole new frontier of thought than, than what was written before, specifically vis-a-vis -vis the concept of the relationship between the spiritual and the material. You see, in Tanya, the way that it's, it talks about it is that the Abishta wanted a physical world for the, for the, the chiddush of it, the novelty of it. That there's a yisna oyrim in a dafke. That in the place of the greatest darkness, the light will, relatively speaking, shine the brightest. So the Abishta made a dark world because there, it's like a, a lamp in the middle of a sunny day has no point, but a lamp in the middle of the dark, so that has a point. So the Abishta made a dark world, a physical world, so that the, the spiritual would have the most impact. That's how it talks about it in Lukuti Amorim. Later on, the last piece of Chassidus the Alter he wrote the letter which became Simin Chof, letter 20, Vigeres HaKadosh, Yuvachayeichad. And he also wrote a short Rishima note called Nefesh Hashvela, which actually, according to some versions, out of Shabbos, before the last Shabbos of the Altareb in this world, he emptied his pockets, as according to Jewish law, you empty your pockets before Shabbos. And one of the things he took from his pocket was the, the Rishima, the note of Nefesh Hashvela, and he gave it to the Tzemach Tzedek, his grandson, and told him that he's going to need this. And these two pieces of Chassidus, Yigeres HaKadosh Simen and Nefesh Hashvela, the Alter Rebbe speaks about Gashmias. He speaks about the material world in a whole new way. He speaks about the material as the ultimate manifestation of godliness. So it's not just that there's a relative advantage, that in a dark world, spiritual light will have relative... You know, it's like if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're in the dark, then a little bit of light, it seems, it seems like it's a lot more than what it really is. Alter Rebbe says, no, it's more than that. The ultimate expression of spirituality is in the physical world. It's about physical actions done with physical bodies. 
perfecting a physical world, and that the tachlis, the goal of everything, is here in this world, and that when Mashiach will come, this physical world will be holier than heaven, and that what is able to happen in this physical world can't happen in any of the higher realms, it can't happen in heaven. So, we know, when it comes to uh, thinkers, People, you know, make their career based on their mind. As they get older, as they get closer to the end of their life, sometimes their teachings are not so reliable. But a Torah scholar is different. And the Rebbe said this specifically. Specifically, the Rebbe pointed out that the deepest teachings of the Alter Rebbe were his last teachings. That the level of truth that he was able to reveal, that physical, that the physical world has this special quality that cannot be found in any other level of, of, of reality. That deep idea was, was at the very end, was at the very, the culmination or the climax of the Altarebbe's life. Because a Torah scholar only becomes stronger and his truth becomes even more penetrating. And the deepest ideas were the ones with the, with the, with the latest ideas. The Rebbe said this about the Altarebbe. And obviously anyone who uh, has half a brain in their head can think about the fact that in the, the, the last sikhas that we heard from the Rebbe, the focus was so much on Mashiach, and in such an intense way, in such a real way. Why? Because the latest teachings are the most intense. The, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole new frontier. At any rate, I'm going to tell you like this. One of the reasons that the Alter Rebbe was, was in opposition to Napoleon, or the reason, and this is intertwined with the whole story of the Histalkus of Chavdalatevis, the Alter Rebbe's passing happened on the road. Why is the Alter Rebbe buried in Hadich? Why, why is his resting place not in uh, Liadi, where he was for the last years? He's associated with Liyajna, with Liadi, but, but uh, he passed away in Piana, and uh, his burial is in, is in Hadich. Because the Alter Rebbe was running. He had to leave, because Napoleon was coming. The Alter Rebbe opposed Napoleon. Why did the Alter Rebbe oppose Napoleon? And the other Talmidi Amagid, the other Rebbes, they were in favor. Because Napoleon, although he was a despot, he was a military totalitarian ruler, but Napoleon's politics were very liberal. He was very into liberal ideas like equality. And he wanted to uh, give everyone rights. The Jews didn't have rights. Jews in Europe didn't have rights. They didn't have protection under the law, not, not equal protection. And Napoleon was going to give that. And, and the Alter Rebbe saw that although Begashmius, materially, the situation for the Jews would improve, but they would assimilate. It would be devastating spiritually. And that's why the, 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 the Alter Rebbe opposed Napoleon. And when Napoleon invaded Russia, Napoleon was sweeping across Europe. Napoleon entered Russia on Tisha B'av, interestingly. And within three weeks, he was already in Ladi. It was Chof Tes of Erev Rosh Elul, Erev Shabbos, Rishchidish Elul, that year, Tov Kuf Ayin Base, 1812. Elul, the first day of Rishchidish Elul was on a Shabbos. So Erev Rishchidish was Erev Shabbos. Even though it was Erev Shabbos, the Alter Rebbe began 
to flee on that day. They left. They left Ladi. It was so close that when the Al Terebe left Liadi, he was leaving from one side of the town while, they, while Napoleon was entering from the other. We know that Napoleon, when he came to Liadi, he asked, Where is the house of Rabbi Barachovich? And he went to the Al Terebe's house and he found that it was on fire. The Al Terebe had burned the house down. He ordered it burn to the ground. And then Napoleon, now we know why he was looking for the Al Terebe's house, he started to ask everybody, Does anyone own any possession that they have that the, the Rabbi Barachovich had? From this also, by the way, we see the power of, a, of an object, a physical object that a tzaddik, that belonged to a tzaddik. We think about the dollars, the kontres, and the tanyas that the Rebbe gave with his own holy hand. But at any rate, the al Rebbe had to flee. And Napoleon's armies were coming. And they were so close, they could hear the, 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 the music. In those days, you know, the army, they, they, had a, they had a band. That's what a marching band was. They would march with the, with the army. It was all part of the, all part of the military uh, get-up, because you have to have, a, have, to have a, a band. And they were, you know, with the, 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 the fife and drum, you know. And uh, the al Rebbe asked, what song are they singing? So they told him, they sang the song for him, the Napoleon's March. <coughs> And the Alter Rebbe said, it's a nigun nitzachan. It's a, it's, a, it's a melody of victory. Uh, but, but in the end, didan notzach, it will be our victory. It will be our victory. I want to tell you something. What does it mean in the end it will be our victory? The Alter Rebbe opposed Napoleon because he would bring material prosperity but spiritual disaster. What did the Rebbe do? Famously, the Rebbe associated it with another nigun, also a French song. The Rebbe took the Masayeh, and the Rebbe took the song, and there's a whole sikh when the Rebbe spoke about France as the bastion of liberal values, and liberty, and fraternity, and equality, but that even those values which could be corrupted, which could be used in a way that is counter to Yiddishkeit, we have the power to use it out for good. We can use it to, 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 to bring Mashiach. So in the end, Didan Natsach, that all of these, I'll put it this way, all of the ideologies that, out, that exist out there today, even the most corrupt ideologies, in their source, they only exist and they only came upon the world scene today to give us an opportunity to bring Mashiach, to perfect the world, the physical world. So you know this uh, Napoleon's March song? You know how that goes? It's easier than Carl Daidi, by the way. Oh. And if everyone's going to sing along, it's going to make it even easier. They sing along. It gives that, you know, that, that, that audience, that audience bo boost. Uh, boost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That camera boost. I mean, I mean, we know we have serious camera. I'm talking about phone. Hell, you know, you know the uh, Napoleon's March. Absolutely. I need a lot, a lot of help from the crowd, please. Yeah, 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 yeah
Secret arsenal. <laughs> it's your fast horse. You gotta bring it out, reveal it to the world. Only Marcus and John, not just a singer. So what other instrument, by the way? Next for bringing, you're gonna bring out another instrument, yeah? What, one, one thing at a time. One, one thing at a time. By the way, your new CD's coming out in a couple weeks, yeah? It's a shame. It's a shame. You play uh, piano on that CD? Sorry? You play piano on the CD? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. You, not, you sing? I sing on the CD. Oh, How many songs? <laughs> That's actually 15, 15, all 10. I sing on all 10. 10. Yes. Okay, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> What's it called, by the way? Uh, it's called Yogati. Yogati Motsosi Tamen. And uh, it'll be out soon. It's a shem. That's a shem. Okay, we'll all make sure to get a copy. Interesting. Mazda. Thank you. Thank you. I think we have another nigan uh, <coughs> that's relatable. Yeah. What are you. Uh... Another nigan. This is the Arablevik's nigan. Now, you should explain maybe a little bit because you refer to it as the Rebbe's father's nigan, so. I'm not, I don't know too much of the, of the background. Maybe you can uh, share some of it with us. But it's the Rebbe's father had a Hakafis Nigan that he would sing on Simchas Terah. And the tradition is that it comes from the Alter Rebbe. Yeah. Is there. No, is it goes it, back to the Alter Rebbe. goes back to the. The Alter Rebbe was the composer, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, it's interesting because most of the Alter Rebbe's Nigunim are very soulful, you know, yearning. Right. And this is more. Yes. It's yeah. A bit out of character. But it's. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. Is it possible? 
just because I have to do a name drop, that Baruch Shalom, his great-grandfather, that was great-grandfather, liked the niggin. I mean, it's a family of seven, right? So he, the oldest brother liked it, and like he taught it to his kids, and I believe because his grandson, right? Uh-huh. So they came back like a different, different vibe, uh-huh. Uh-huh. a little bit of a different, you know, maybe. It's a theory. I don't know what Cuppet says. Not sure. Actually, think it makes sense because Alter Rebbe taught him trap, taught Baruch Shalom trap. So there was like a musical thing going on there. Yeah. So that's how it could have reached the Rebbe's father. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna write a book about it when my music career goes sour. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you keep appearing at events like this, you're only going up. Just, your stock is rising because you're you're on the soul words Davis evening of story song and teaching to the Altarebbe with Ali Marcus, you're only, could only be good. 1,000%. Yeah, that's what I, when are we going to do the next Fabrenga, by the way? After when the, when the camera's shut. What? When the camera's shut, we're now. Oh, the Fabrenga after the Fabrenga, the unofficial. I have a question though. Yeah. I have a question, based on what you were saying before. Yeah, sure, yeah. The Altar was very, if he was so focused on Ruchnius, reflecting in Gashmius, yeah. then why was he so against Napoleon's emancipation? It wasn't time, that's a great question. It wasn't the time, it wasn't ready yet. It wasn't ready yet. But the ultimate will have to be in the physical world. Mashiach is in this physical world. The ultimate purpose of everything is in this physical world. So ultimately, the material will be transformed. And, and, and the clip of that Napoleon represented at that time, we weren't ready for it then, but apparently we are now. And we don't have to be afraid of it. We can, we can use it, only for the good. Now is the time. 
It's a different era. Right. So, that's a hashtag me too. I was also at the Fabrengen. Which Fabrengen? This Fabrengen. Oh, this Fabrengen. Yeah. yeah. You want to hear more about the Chavdal Tevis? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I told you that it was Erev Rosh Chedesh Elul, Erev Shabbos, Tovkuf Ayin Base when the Alter Rebbe left Liadi. It was only about another five and a half months until Chavdala Tevis. The entire time was spent on the road, spent fleeing. And um, the last Shabbos of the Alter Rebbe Baal Madein in this world was Shabbos Shmois. Chof Dalet Tevis, or Chof Gimel Tevis, rather. Shabbos was Chof Gimel. <coughs> After Shabbos, the Alter Rebbe made Havdallah and then Davin Mairev. Interestingly enough, the Alter Rebbe davened Mairev after Havdallah. And by 10.30 p.m. was Hisistalkus. We find something interesting, something unusual, <clears throat> that in the, we all know the text, the Mainalashen, when we go to the oil, we read from, from the Maina Lushen, which is a compilation of prayers that are specifically recited at the uh, Kivrit Sadikim, at the resting place of the righteous. There's a, an, a preface to the Maina Lushen that was written by the Tzamach Tzedek, the Alter Rebbe's grandson. And in it, he mentions or he describes the time of the Alter Rebbe's passing as Matzah Shabbos Parsha Shmois. And uh, the Rebbe asks, the Rebbe points out something interesting about this. There's a sikh in Lukut Sichas, which is uh, Shmois and Chavdala Tevis. It's a long sikha, and <clears throat> the very beginning of the sikha, on the first page, there's a ha'ara, there's a footnote. And you could miss it if you don't read the footnotes, you know. You know, how you, you know how to get a brand new set of Lakuta Sichas? Go back and learn all the Sichas with the footnotes. It's amazing. It's like a new Lakuta Sichas when you learn it with the footnotes. And in this footnote, <clears throat> the Rebbe asks a question and answers the question. Um, why does the Tzemach Tzedek describe the time of the passing of the Alter Rebbe as being Matzah Shabbos? Okay, why Matzah Shabbos Parsha Shmois? That's most of the sikhs about the connection between Parsha Shmois and Chovdal Tevis. But specifically Matzah Shabbos. And, and, and the question is based on this. There's a Gemara in Ksubis that says, Mace be'er of Shabbos, simen yafalei, that one who passes away on Ed of Shabbos, it's a good sign for him. Mace be'motzah Shabbos, someone who passes away on the night following Shabbos, Simin Ra'loi, it's a bad sign for him. Rashi mentions specifically there in, in the Gemara Ksubitz, why is it a Simin Yafalai? Why is it a good thing to pass away out of Shabbos? He says, Shiyakonis 
miyad lemenucha. Because that way, the soul that's departing, if it departs on Erev Shabbos, it goes straight into the rest of Shabbos. Which is a better thing for the soul when it's transitioning in its uh, ascent, when it's ascending from the body. So the, the Rebbe asks the question. Seemingly, it's not a thing to brag about. It's not something to underscore and to emphasize that someone passed away on a Matzah Shabbos. It's a simin to pass away Matzah Shabbos. So I told you, it's a little footnote, and the Rebbe asks a question, and in the same footnote, the Rebbe answers the question. And I'll tell you the answer to the question, but before I tell you the answer to the question, I'm going to tell you a story. And this is not a story of the Alter Rebbe, but just see that it's, in, that it's connected to everything else we've been talking about. And, and it's the story, I guess you could call it the story of why the oil is where the oil is. You ever ask why is the oil in Queens at the old Montefiore Cemetery, how'd that happen? How'd that start? Who was the first Lubavitcher who was laid to rest in the old Montefiore Cemetery? Rebetzinstern-Nasada. was the Rebetzin of the Rebbe Rashab. And she came over to America <clears throat> with her son, her only child, the Friedrich Rebbe. And she passed away, Yud, Yud Shvat, Tof Shin Base. When that occurred, it was a Shabbos, Shabbos Shira, Shabbos Pashat B'Shalach. And the Friedrich Rebbe was not in New York. The Friedrich Rebbe was actually in Chicago. And the Friedrich Rebbe himself was, was in poor health, and it was a difficult journey. And he knew his mother was not in good health. But that particular time when the Friedrich Rebbe left for Chicago, his mother seemed to be in better health. <clears throat> in fact, the very day of her passing, Shabbos B'Shalach, Shabbos Shira, she said in the morning of Shabbos, Haint is Shabbos Shira. Haint darf min gorandrish davenin. Today is Shabbos Shira. Today's got to be an exceptional davening. And she started to daven Shachris. And she came to Nishmas Kolchai. And she said the words Nishmas and her holy Nishama returned to its maker. When the Fidik Rebbe found out the news, Bedas Tachta, and he was told the news, Motzeh Shabbos. The Fidik Rebbe was an Oynin. Later on, he described the pain of the loss of his mother. He said that the loss of any mother is difficult, especially the loss of a mother of an only child, as the Friedrich Rebbe was. But the, the, the greatest <clears throat> tragedy, what made her passing the most sad, was that she did not live to see the Gula Shlema. So the Friedrich Rebbe was in pain. He was in mourning for the loss of his mother and everything that that means on every level. And Chassidim came to him with an outrageous request. 
they said to him that since Chassidim <clears throat> in Chicago, not just Chassidim, Jews, whoever they were, travel wasn't back then, even in 1942, what it is today. And these Jews who had scheduled Yechidus, they had scheduled private audience with the Friedrich Rebbe for Saturday night and Sunday, that if the Friedrich Rebbe goes back to New York for, this, for his mother's own Leviah, they may not have another chance for their, their private meeting with the, with the Friedrich Rebbe. So they came to the Friedrich Rebbe and they asked him, would he agree to stay and meet with everyone one-on-one -on -one who would schedule a meeting? Friedrich Rebbe said, from the day that I became Rebbe, I have no opinion about my personal life. Whatever Rabbonim Paskin, you make a, a Bezdin, get three rabbis, whatever they decide, that's what I will do. And they convened a court, the three rabbis, and they, they ruled that the Friedrich Rebbe should stay there in Chicago, he should meet with people, he should give them their opportunity for a meeting. And in the, the time of his most intense grief, the Friedrich Rebbe, knowing that he had to return to New York for his mother's Leviah, he sat and he focused on people and their problems and their issues. Because, as he said, from the day I became a Rebbe, I have no say, I have no opinion in my own personal life. I don't belong to me anymore. We should mention, incidentally, and it's not incidentally, maybe it's the main thing, because we are 30 days, less than 30 days from Chav Be'i Shvat which is the Yem Hilula of the Rebetzin. After the Rebetzin's passing, after Chav Beshvat, the Rebbe spoke after the Shiva and said that in our generation, the Rebetzin Chayamushka accomplished what the Alta Rebbe accomplished in his generation. How so? Because when the Alta Rebbe was arrested and interrogated and he, would, he was forced to answer questions about Chassidus, he was able to convince, he was able to explain the interrogators, the concepts in Chassidus, so that by the time that he left, not only did they acquit him, they realized that the whole libel was just that, it was a libel, but they, they saw that he was a great and holy man. The Rebbe said that it was bederech birur v'loi bederech shvira, a refinement, not a breaking. The Rebbe said that in our generation, the Rebbe Tzanchaya Mushka accomplished the same thing, that she had to speak up for deep concepts in Chassidus, the role of a Rebbe, the relationship of a Rebbe to Chassidim, and she was the one who gave the deposition, who said that the, my father himself belonged to Chassidim. You ask if his books belonged to Chassidim, my father himself belonged to Chassidim. And the judge heard it, and he accepted it, and it made sense, and he ruled according to, to what the Rebbe Tzanchaya said. So just like the Alter Rebbe was able to take the deepest concepts of Chassidus and, 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 and convince non-Jews of its sensibility, even according to human logic, that's what the Rebetzin did in our generation. Concepts of his kashris, the relationship between a Rebbe and Chassidim, that's what the Rebetzin accomplished. 
At any rate, <coughs> we're talking about the Fidika Rebbe saying that he had no opinion on him on himself. He didn't belong to himself. He doesn't have a life unto himself. He belongs to the people. The Hayyem Yem of Yud Gimel Shvat. If you look in Hayyem Yem. So the Hayyem Yem for Yud Gimel Shvat, which is coming up in, uh, in a couple of weeks. It says that a yard site is observed by Yem HaMisa on the day of actual passing, even the first year, even if the day of burial was postponed many days after the day of passing. Why is that the Hayyemim for Yud Gimel Shvat? Because that's precisely what happened in Yud Gimel Shvat. Rebetzin Shtenasara, who was the first Lubavitcher to be laid to rest in the old Montefiore Cemetery because the Friedrich bought her a plot there. She was laid to rest on Yud Gimel Shvat, even though she had passed away days earlier. But the whole burial was postponed in order that the Friedrich Rebbe should have time to meet with Chassidim in Chicago, and only then, after the last person had Yechidus, then the Alter Rebbe got on the train and went back to New York for his own mother's Leviah. A Rebbe has nothing for himself. Not even the most personal moments. So let's go back to the question that the Rebbe asks about the passing of the Alter Rebbe. Why does the Tzemach Tzedek underscore that Chov Dalat Tevis was Motzah Shabbos? The Gemara says, Motzah Shabbos, it's a bad sign for him. Don't call attention to it. You could use it a different way. You could call it Oyer L'Yem Rishay. The eve of Sunday. You don't have to call it Matzah Shabbos. So here's what the Rebbe answers in this little footnote. The Rebbe answers like this. Simon Yafalai passed away on Erev Shabbos. It's good for him. Good for him. Passed away on Matzah Shabbos. Simon It's bad for him. Since when did a Rebbe care what's good or bad for him? A Rebbe cares what's good for the people. Do you know what happens at the time when a tzaddik leaves this world? Talks about Nigeras HaKedish, the Alter Rebbe's Nigeras HaKedish, Simen Chofches. It says, that the ace ptiras tzaddik at the time when a tzaddik leaves this world, it's an ace rotzain, it's a propitious time. 
that's the, where there's Meir Chesed Hashem, divine kindness is shining in the world. Upoil Yeshua is Aritz, and it causes miracles to happen in this world. At the moment when a tzaddik leaves this world, incredible things happen, incredible revelations happen in this world. Specifically, Al Gireyov, on those who revere the tzaddik. And when do we need the biggest spiritual boost? When are we at our weakest? Matzah Shabbos. That's why we, we smell the besamim. To revive our, our, ourselves after we lost our neshama yaseda. That's why we sing Altira Avdi Yankif. Don't fear my servant Jacob. Because you leave Shabbos and you're going into the scary work week again. It's a scary time. It's a dark time. Matzah Shabbos is a difficult time. So what, what time could we benefit most from the incredible revelation that occurs at the moment when a tzaddik passes, of all times, the time when we need it most is Matzah Shabbos. I, to simin ra'loi, it's bad for the tzaddik. Since when does a rabbi care what's good or bad for him? So the Al-Tarebbe left this world at the time that was best for us. And that's what the Tzamech Tzaddik emphasizes. But Matzah Shabbos, that even in the most personal, private moment, the moment when one ends one's mission here in this world, the Alter Rebbe didn't even have that moment to himself. He gave that moment away at the time when it would be most helpful to us. I mentioned the oil, and I hope that everybody knows when it comes to Havdalat Tevis, it's a propitious time to go to the oil. Not because Hadich is far away, but because our connection to the Alter Rebbe and all of the Rebbeim is through the Rebbe. And when you go to the oil, You stand in front of the Rebbe's Matzeva and you see the words Allah HaShemayim B'Motzi Shabbos Kedish Rebbe gave us even to the last moment, the last second, that Sadik has nothing for himself, not even the moment of his passing, even that he gives away, and he leaves at the time when, when it's, when it's going to help us, when he gives us a boost. When we need it, we're weak. Matzah Shabbos, we're weak. We need Basamin, we need a boost. Simen Loy, it's bad for the Sadik, since when did it ever care what's good or bad for him? You should remember that we have a Rebbe. The Rebbe gives away everything of himself, has nothing for himself, is only, is only for us. 
That's an awe-inspiring thought. This day is an awesome day. Chavdala Davis.